0: Well, good morning. morning. Ooh, y'all are awake in spite of the snow. How many are sick of snow? Be honest, say, I'm done with it. You can keep it. How many say just two more times maybe? Okay, my people, my people. I love the snow. Spend a lot of time in Canada. It is an amazing day to be here. It's Valentine's weekend. So look at the person next to you and say, Happy Valentine's Day. Hopefully that's either your girlfriend or that just got weird. Um, we we are very, very blessed at FCF, and you may not realize this, or maybe maybe you take it for granted. But every single week, our shepherd walks on this stage and delivers a message that has come from the heart of God. He spends time in his, in his Bible, he prays, he seeks, and delivers an God-ordained, anointed, timely message. And can you tell him how much you love him? We appreciate your faithfulness to the call, boss, and we love you dearly. He's a a good egg, a little cracked, but a good egg. Love him, love him to death. I thought it would be great Valentine's weekend for us to start with some love letters from kids. Now, kids are a little bit confused when it comes to love. They're not even sure what they're doing. So we're gonna just take a look at these, a few of these real quick. My clicker, there it is. Okay, it says, uh, (laughs) this first one, Valentine's Day is cool, you are too, but you could be better, but I like you. <laughs> He's a little confused, right? All right <laughs> Next uh, how many of you either passed, wrote, or received a hand-folded letter like this? How many? Let's see. Kids now, this is what it is. They, they will never know the joy of, of, or the anticipation of what this is. But This one says, do you like me? Yes or no? Very, very clear, obvious letter here. He says, I don't, the response, I don't know myself yet. Plus, I'm under a lot of stress at home. A lot of stress at home. <laughs> P.S., you don't know yourself until you're 18. It's a deep kid. All right, this one is just odd. This is a confused kid. Uh, <laughs> You are a beautiful human being, but I'm not good at drawing human beings, so I drew you a potato. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a very nice potato right there. (laughs) Just two more here. Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you. Yes, no, maybe. And he actually says, he says, please uh, check yes, no, or maybe. She says no, but she says... uh, I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, redacted. Uh, but when we break up, you're my next choice. <laughs> and, and the bottom, I'm you're my next choice. And the bottom, it says, P.S., that'll probably be in a month or two. <laughs> Ashley's keeping her options open. <laughs> this kid's awesome. And our last one, last one we're look at here. Uh, my clicker, hey, Brian, can you make sure nobody's blocking the clicker? It's not working Oh, there it is Okay, jump back Now we're, now we're moving it's just, He's off to a good start Dear Jessica I've had good experience uh, that's, my, that's my wife's name I thought that joke was funnier Never mind, okay <laughs> I have a couple of questions This is a very you can, you can see the mind of this kid here Number one Would it be too early to start holding hands? Question two Am I at the honey point yet? Question three. Let me know if I'm rushing you, okay? <laughs> and in the middle, he says, "Thank you for saying yes." The usual answers I get are, "No way, I can't." Are you stupid? We don't say that word. No, I already have a boyfriend. Or sometimes I'm just too shy to ask a girl out. And then, I mean, that's a legit signature, isn't it? Look at that kid. What's he like? Thirty? This is the best part of the letter. And ladies, hear me. This this is our heart. Says this at the bottom. I haven't had a lot of girlfriends yet, but just teach me what to do and what not to do. <laughs> Ladies, your Valentine present to we men is just tell us what to do. Please tell us. We don't know, we don't know what you want for Christmas. Just tell us. We don't know what we did wrong. Just tell us. Well, you know what you said. I don't know what I said, but I'm sure I'm sorry I said it. Just tell us. These poor kids are super, super confused. And this morning, I'm going to talk about one of the most confused topics in all of the church. For some reason, when it comes to this topic, our theology breaks down. There's confusion. It splits Churches, people seem to go right past what the word of God says and it becomes about our preference, our opinion, what we like, and we kind of forget everything else. If you haven't figured it out yet, my topic is praise and worship. And, And maybe you're thinking, oh, this guy leads worship. He's gonna want us to do all kind of stuff I can't believe. We believe, even Pastor Randy, we were talking about this. We believe that there is good for you, as a result of this, everything else that God has called us to has benefits. Can anyone say Amen? Do you believe? Have you found it to be the true? This is no exception. So, what is worship? Like we get the word worship from an old English word worthship, which means to like ascribe value to something or to establish the value of something. Then. Romans twelve tells us this. It says that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or your true and proper. What is it? It's translated service in some other translations. Well, that doesn't sound like music at all. I don't see any instruments or guitars or so. so what? It sounds like worship is kind of our entire life. I mean, the word holy is in here. That's not a momentary experience. It's a lifelong pursuit. So if we break this down, then what was the experience that we had 15 minutes ago? What what were we doing? Well, that's corporate praise and worship. And that is a part of the overarching theme of worship, but that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. And before we talk about it, I'm gonna give you a definition of what we believe Corporate praise and worship is And it's also the title If you're taking notes You can write this down But this is what we believe Corporate praise and worship is It's authentic love That's freely expressed What is corporate worship? What is it when we gather And we sing And we lift our hands And we clap It's an authentic love That's freely expressed I mean true love Is expressed you would say, you know, love doesn't have to, love, love, what's my religious voice? Love doesn't have to be, it's lower, isn't it, Pastor Randy? Love doesn't have to be expressed. So yesterday morning, I come downstairs and my beautiful wife, who sings like an angel, is, is sitting in our island and she's got her coffee, the nectar of the gods. And she has her Bible because she's super holy like Pastor Randy and she's reading it. And I come, I sit across from her and she says, happy Valentine's weekend, baby. I love you. And what what do I say back? No, I said, baby, I told you 18 years ago when we got married that I love you. If anything had changed, I would have told you. (laughs) And every single one of the socially normal people in this room would line up to pop me, right? Because that's not what we do. We express... Let me go this way. You can't help but express things that you like. You can't go to a restaurant you enjoy without wanting to tell everybody about it. You can't go see a movie without telling people, man, I saw this movie, it was incredible. But it is authentic. It's not contrived or forced or anything else. So if we break this all the way down, One of the other questions I just want to to start with. What is it? It's an authentic love that's freely expressed, but kind of as a baseline for what we're going to talk about this morning, I have a question. Does God need our worship? And before you answer this, please don't answer it, because I have heard this question answered wrong more times than I have heard it answered right. God is the supreme All-powerful creator of the universe He is a community of persons within himself All-sufficient, period He does not need our worship Look, God created us because he wanted us Not because he needed us He's not there going, oh man I just, I didn't get enough Instagram likes from FCF this morning Did you guys see that? He's not the insecure girl or guy that you dated in high school that needs you to tell him every 10 minutes that you love him. Well, do you love me now? I just told you like five minutes ago that I loved you, but you didn't tell me now. That's not God. That's not who he is. That's not in his nature. He is the supreme creator of the universe and he wants worship from us, But he doesn't need it. I'm going to outline for us three questions. Three questions that I've been asked often as a worship leader. If you're a first-time guest, I actually help oversee this. And my wife and I have been leading worship for about 20 years. I started when I was six. And um, it's been <laughs> one of the joys of our life. But I'm asked this question quite often. We're going to look at three of them. The first one is this. This is a logical question that you've probably asked yourself. Why does God ask us to worship Him? I mean, He's the all-powerful, all-sufficient creator of the universe who made us. Why would, why would He ask us to worship Him? Again, we know He's not insecure and doesn't need it. You, say, you might say, well, I mean, maybe, maybe this is just something. God is at a place Let me say it this way. I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna turn this a little bit. (laughs) God wanted us. He didn't need us. He's eager for us. He's not desperate for us. But he knows that we are going to worship something. You might say, oh, I don't don't worship. I don't worship. (laughs) You may not be worshiping God, but you're worshiping something. Something has captivated your attention. Something matters more to you than anything else. A man named Dr. Leifblad coined a term, heart's affection and mind's attention. And what I would tell you this morning, what I would share, is I believe that we naturally worship whatever has our heart's affection and our mind's attention. We can't help but worship because it's part of our nature. It's part of our Woven into the DNA of who you are So you may not choose to worship God But you are going to worship Whatever has your heart's affection And your mind's attention Will you choose to worship God? The reason he calls us to worship him Is because he knows that every other altar That we will bow at will return void Every other place that we will seek comfort, every other place we will seek meaning from, everything else will let you down. And we do. We worship all kinds of different things, don't we? We worship our jobs. We worship money. We worship people, sports. I hear there are still people who cheer for the Bengals. I can't. I <laughs> As I was praying about this and got all the way to the end, I felt like there was something I was missing, and clear as I could sense it in my heart, I felt like God laid something on my heart. Do you know the number one object of our worship? Do you know what the leading thing that we worship is? It's us. We worship our preference. We worship our comfort. We worship what we want everything. You get a picture. Somebody gives you a picture. What's the, who's the first person you look for? And if you don't look good in the picture, that's a terrible picture. I don't like that picture. Stupid picture. 2 <laughs> Timothy 3 says, in the last days, difficult times will come. People will become lovers of themselves. Has there been a more clear picture of our society than that? And God knows, if you worship self, it will return void. Why does God want us to worship? Because seeing God changes us. In worship, we can see the character and the nature of God, and God reveals himself to us as we seek him. And when we see God, it changes us. That's the first reason. The second reason is a little bit more challenging, and I've resigned myself to the fact that a good portion of people may not get this, and and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with it. But I'm gonna try anyway. We see God in worship. And the more we see, the more we can see. Here's what I mean by that. When we see God as he is, everything else starts to make more sense. When we see the creator, all of a sudden creation makes sense. When we behold God and his humility and sacrificial love, his compassion for us, compared to the full manifestation of sin and pride and hate and evil. It makes it real easy to look at these two things and say, God, I choose you. I've seen all that the world has to offer and you can keep it. I don't want it. God, I want to see you. Why? Because seeing God changes us. I'm gonna bring it. This is a bit reductive. If you if you lost me, come back right here, okay? Come come back to me. Psalm 69 says it this way. It's 6930. It says, I will praise. This is the Hebrew word halal, which means to sing the Lord and magnify him with thanksgiving. I'm gonna make it a super simple. When God gets bigger, my problems get smaller. When he gets bigger, Everything else changes. It's a clearer picture of where we're at. Authentic love that's freely expressed. Worship doesn't change God. Worship changes us. The second question that I'm often asked in reference to worship or I have been asked is, what are some expressions of worship that God likes? I mean, that's a, that's a fair question. What are expressions of worship that God likes in reference to corporate worship? What, what would that be? And how would we quantify that? I mean, I do my devotions and I see God's face, but He's never said, Pete, raise your right foot, put down your left. That's never happened. But There's a man in Scripture named David. David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a man after God's own heart, I believe. Not because he was without flaw Because we know that he was He was a man after God's own heart I believe one of the reasons Is because he was a worshiper And David When he penned this book Of Psalms that we're going to look at He went all through Expressions of worship He wrote it to other worship leaders He wrote it to the church And when we see the word praise We see it one way Praise But there are seven Hebrew words for praise. There are seven ways to interpret this. And that's what we're gonna look at. The first one is this. Everybody say tahila. It means to sing praises extravagantly or to celebrate with song. That is what we did earlier. We were singing praise to God. This is where it's found. uh, This is one of the places it's found. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, I will sing, shall continually be in my mouth. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Pastor Pete, I don't sing. But you do sing. I see you at stoplights. I pull up behind you with your FCF sticker. Dwayne Broadhurst and his giant beard and lifted truck and She thinks my tractor. I mean, he's singing. (laughs) Pastor Kim, I'm fancy like Applebee's. (laughs) Date night. We sing. Didn't say, I'm going to sing good. It says, I'm going to sing. It actually says to make a joyful noise to the Lord. You honk if you have to, but you give it to him. Amen. He's worthy of it. Okay. Let me stop here for one second. One of the most important things I want you to walk away with as we, as we look at this. Remember our definition for what it is. Authentic love that's freely expressed. What we're going to go through here is not a Christian bingo card of things that you do. Stand up, sit down, clap my hands. Bingo! That's, that's not what this is. These are expressions of worship. And God will never force this on you. He would never. He could have made you with no choice. But he said, I'm going to give you free choice. I'm going to allow you to choose. So this is not a list of things that if you don't do this, you're not worshiping. Or it's some form of penance, right? This is, the devil did a number on us when it comes to God. We think we got to get God, Pastor Randy says it, off my back and on my side. I just got, obeisance. God, I'm sorry. I, I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping. Are you happy? Are you happy? No. No, this isn't a religious ritual that we go through. These are authentic expressions of worship from the heart. And I'm going to explain how we do these things naturally as well. That's our first word. Halal is our next one. It says, to boast in the Lord or to rave, to celebrate. We did some of that this morning too. At the very beginning, we're like, woo, we're celebrating. Psalm 35 says, I will praise him before all the people. Well, That's what we did as well, isn't it? We worshiped together. Our worship team stood on the stage and praised before all the people. Todah means to hold out the hands or a sacrifice of praise. I could talk about this one for the whole message, but what I wanna say is this. There are times that I don't feel like worshiping, but it doesn't change the fact that I choose to worship. There are times, how about this? Right actions lead to right feelings. Our feelings are never our master. And if you feel like God feels distant in worship, it's not because He moved. So there are times that we give a sacrifice of praise. Let's look what this says in Psalm 5023. It says, Whoever offers sacrifice of praise glorifies me. Zamar, to touch or strike the strings or parts of a musical instrument, to play. Upon it. Did some of that this morning too. I'm going to speed this up a little bit here. Barak means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration. Yada, to worship with extended hands. I will praise. I will raise my hands to you, Lord, with all my heart. We see praise and we what is this? What is it saying? Shabbat. To address in a loud tone, glory, praise, praise, or triumph to God. Are you saying we should yell in church? You know, God's not deaf. He's not nervous either. I don't. <laughs> now, there is a, God is a God of order. So just to be clear, our services are done in order. So don't start yelling in the middle of Pastor Randy's message. Our security team slap you through in the parking lot. Don't do that. <laughs> Psalm 63 I love this verse so much, because your love is better than life. His love for me is better than the life that I live, and I've done nothing to deserve it. I will, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will. People come in this in this room, and you're like, well, I I, I went to a different kind of church, and. You know, we didn't, we didn't do that stuff. It doesn't mean you weren't worshiping, but this must be like a non-denominational expression of worship. Non-denominational churches worship like this. That's a non-denominational expression. Now, hopefully when you come in FCF, you see a, a biblical representation of worship. And not from a group of people that feels like, they gotta. I'm worshiping God. Do you see me? No. Worship is authentic love. That's freely expressed. This is a bonus question. Have you ever asked yourself, don't worry, that's just snow falling off the top roof. Maybe it's not. I'm sorry, God, what are you saying? No, it's just snow falling off the one roof onto the next roof. Have you ever asked yourself, why music? It's a fair question. Like, why of all of the Ways that God could have chosen for us to come unified as a group and to express our worship, why would He choose worship? Well you know this. We're a triune being. Mind, soul, and body. Does music make you think? Does music make you want to move your body? Your favorite song comes on and you can't, you're like, oh, I'm fancy like Apple. I'm telling you, I've seen her do it. Does music move your soul? Are your emotions stirred during worship? This is as a musician, I was a musician longer than I was a worship leader, but you know what breaks my heart about music? Knowing what I know and seeing what God has revealed to me about what music is, the purpose of music, and thinking about what it has become. Because it's still being used for worship, but they're not worshiping God. You watch a concert, you you scroll through somebody's insta feed and see them at a club. Hey, tell me they're not expressing all of those. Thinking, feeling, moving their body. They can't help but do it. But you know what they're worshiping? Drugs. Violence. Sex. I'm going to go in a club. I'm going I'm I'm to go in a club and I'm going to worship sex. I'm going to take the thing that God created as the means by which we come together as a body and we lift up his name and we're gonna start lifting up other stuff. And the only thing that, that I have a personal conviction about and I've never pushed my personal conviction on you but this is my conviction is nothing is gonna get more of my physical worship than I'm giving to God. I'm gonna have fun, I'm gonna dance, I'm at a wedding, I can cut a rug. You don't know your boy can dance. But when I'm in this house when I, I don't care if I'm sitting in the front row at my home watching all through COVID with my family. We will worship God. I'm not going to give him less of my worship than a drunk in a bar. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. The last question that ties right into this is why does the devil hate worship? And he does. Let's look at this. Isaiah 14. In your Bible, it probably says the fall of Satan, is what the header in your Bible would be. It says this How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will. Ascend into the heavens These are the five I will statements I will exalt my throne above the stars of God I will sit on this side of the mountain of the north Excuse me, on the congregation On the farthest sides of the north Excuse me I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will be like the most high But your pomp is brought down to Sheol And the sounds of your stringed instruments this is jumping back to verse 11. Your stringed instruments. Okay, he had stringed instruments. Let's jump forward. Ezekiel 28 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. The previous passage, if you read it in context, it says that it was written to the king of Babylon. But what it's actually doing is it's written to a man, but addressing the spirit behind the man. This is a, something we see in scripture from time to time. There's a very common reference to this that takes place between Jesus and one of his disciples. He, he turns to Peter and he says, get behind me. That's what's taking place here. You'll see it in the, within the context, you'll see it. It says, son of man, Take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now, either this is written to Satan or the king of Tyre was one good-looking dude. Probably the second. Probably the first. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Well, who was in Eden? We see in Scripture four referenced. God Adam, Eve, and Satan Every precious stone was your covering There is a ton of meaning behind this But we don't have time for it this morning I'm going to keep going Skip down here The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes Was prepared for you on the day you were created You were the anointed cherub who covers Was the king of Tyre an anointed angel that led in heaven? I established you Established. This is not an eternal being either. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your, what is this? This is merchandising in some other places. We'll come back to that. You became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, oh, what is it? This, this was written speaking about Lucifer. That's what I believe. Let's look at this. Ezekiel 28, 13, one of the passages says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. What does is, what is timbrel look like? What, what instrument do we have that looks like that? It sounds like that. Tambourine, right? This was a percussion instrument. Pipes is also translated flutes in some other translations. So we have strings, stringed instruments mentioned in our previous passage. We have a percussion instrument, and we have a woodwind instrument. Do you know every instrument falls into one of those three categories? I, I, I believe Satan was the worship leader in heaven. I'm going to take it one step further This is my opinion This this is just a thought I had I believe that it's possible There were three ruling angels in heaven There's two others that are mentioned Often by name Gabriel brought the word of the Lord To Mary He also brought the word of the Lord To Zachariah and Luke And Michael in Daniel 10 Helps with prayer Covers prayer and then we had worship. You know, when we gather as a church, we always do three things. We always worship, we always pray, and we always hear the word. So that's, that's a, a theory. But do you know it is fact? How many left heaven with the devil when he left? A third. Possibly everyone that was under his care. What happened? Ezekiel 28, 16. We talked about this earlier. By the abundance of your trading. We mentioned the word merchandising. That's what the NKJV says, or the King James Version says that. You know what merchandising, this is the the picture of merchandising. Is Pastor Randy, he he hires me to run a store. It's It's a trouser store. You know what trousers are, Pastor Kim? Fancy pants. It's an inside joke. And Pastor Kim comes and she gives me a hundred dollars, sort of nice pants, she says, I want these pants. I take a hundred dollars, I put 50 in my pocket, and I only give 50 to Pastor Randy. That's the picture of what merchandising is. He was the worship leader in heaven, and he took what was supposed to be going to God and he kept it for himself. Luke says, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Genesis says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. We've had all kind of conversations about how it got to that point. But it's possible, I'm going to lay out another possibility for you. Is it possible? Some scholars believe that that was a result of the devil and what he had done, his decisions. God creates the heavens and the earth, and he divides in light, birds of the air, fish of the sea. Somewhere around the sixth day, Satan's walking on the earth and he says, I see all of this. I see everything that you created. But who's gonna worship you now? That's what you created me for. That's what what my beauty, the topaz, that's what my musical instruments, that's what this was for. I was the one that led worship. And God reaches down into the dirt. He squeezes it and breathes life into us. And he says, that's my new worship leader. And he said, we'll rule and reign with him. Those that put their trust in him. But as is the nature of a God with sacrificial love, He has given us the choice. He has never pushed Himself on us. He's never said, worship me or else. i squish you like a grape. He has given us the choice And that's what I want to ask you this morning. Will you worship? I know we'll worship when we leave this room and everything we'll do, we'll try to be holy, pleasing. But when we come together as a group, you don't have to do anything. But if you have a heart, a desire out of what, remember our definition? It's an authentic love that's freely expressed. Let's stand to our feet. We're we're doing great for time here. We're a tiny bit early. Which is not, it's not an accident. I wanted to give you the opportunity. We're gonna sing a song called Great Are You Lord, which what's incredible about this song is it coming all through this season of COVID, where we're—if you, if you had COVID, the early one especially—you know that breathing at times was a bit of a challenge. But He has breathed breath into us, and He is inviting us into His presence. So I just want to invite you to sing this with us. Come on, sing us your breath. Lift your voices too, if you'd like.